0: The mind, the mind in this, I use this word mind, it means the thoughts, uh, emotions, the conditions of. So, your thinking process, your emotional uh, habits, the changing conditions of the mind. And then consciousness. Is vijnana and the five khandhas. When we talk about the rupa, vedana, sanya, sankhara, vinyana then the anicca. So in the Theravadan practices, there's a lot of confusion around uh, vijnana because it, we think of oh, uh, can de- uh Vijñana is impermanent. So we hold to, to the idea of impermanence uh, and apply that to all experience. <clears throat> so we can be very attached to the idea of impermanence and in, in, in some ways intellectually project that onto, to, uh, you know, in our minds to uh, everything that we experience. the Vignana is uh, say putting it in a context of it's, it's a natural condition it is, is boundless it has, we, it's not just a function of the brain as we tend to conceive it in the Western world hmm. so in an immeasurable state you have infinite consciousness as a, as a you know as a, as a kind of absorption Consciousness has no boundary, like space, visual space, and consciousness. When you really investigate, like visually with through looking at space, it has no no boundary. We put boundaries into space, like the walls of this meditation hall. But actually, the meditation hall is in space. And this is important to to reflect upon because uh, sometimes we emphasize the four elements—the earth, fire, water, and air—and and not even mention the unlimited ones of space and consciousness. They're also part of that. So to contemplate space it's here and now, isn't it? It's not you're not you don't it's not subtle even, it's not remote, it's just not noticed. You know, we give so much attention to the forms and the things and the spaces. <coughs> we you know, we like this and we don't like that and big and small and and compare one thing with another. So the thinking mind is endlessly uh, moving with with the conditions. But space uh, to recognize space which means to notice it, pay attention, like to uh, to uh, sight by withdrawing your focus and absorption into the conditions in the space uh, to see space. I don't need to to. Uh, Tell you all to leave this room so I can really contemplate space. I just withdraw my attention. I'm no longer just focused on this one and that one, but uh, no longer absorbing myself or moving from one thing to the next, but noticing in this wide spectrum of vision the reality of space as experience. And it's spacious. Space has that quality of, and um, it's quite like an obvious truism. It's spacious. <laughs> and it contains everything, doesn't it? The, the red and the green and the purple and the blue. Male, female. Good, bad, right, wrong, beautiful, ugly. Space doesn't have any preferences. And it has no boundary. So this is reflecting on the reality of space. It gives you perspective, isn't it? You have perspective then on the forms and the conditions in the space. Consciousness also. Consciousness has no boundary. We put boundaries into consciousness with our thoughts and our attachments to our feelings, our sensory uh, feelings, pleasure, pain, our emotional uh, habits that we've acquired since birth. We that puts boundary. That's a boundary, isn't it? It arises and ceases when you're happy. It, it has no permanent. It has permanence. It comes and goes. Sadness, anger, greed, fear, jealousy, love, hate. And so, when we're attached to to thinking, to thoughts, to perceptions, to sense objects. Uh, to our feelings, then we're always in this kind of mortal state of where you know there's something imperfect, unsatisfactory, inadequate about it. So even with all the money in the world and all the power, uh, say that a single human being might be able to acquire, the problem's still there: mm. the ignorance, the attachment the feeling of inadequacy, of suffering, of dukkha, of loneliness, of some lack or something incomplete, unfinished. And we take that personally. we, we I feel incomplete or unfulfilled or unsatisfied. Because Why do I do that? Because I'm always attaching to that which is that way. If I attach to unsatisfactoriness, how can I be sat- uh, satisfied? <laughs> so I become a person who feels dissatisfied. <clears throat> so the missing factor then uh, is the awareness. The 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 suffering is the cause is is caused through ignorance of each other, not understanding the Dhamma, and the attachment, the way we cling to conditions. Out of ignorance, is the cause. any insight is to let go this letting go and the Pali paripahadapandhi means to to abandon or let go of put down release your grasp, it doesn't mean throw away you know uh, uh, annihilate it's not annihilation it's letting things be what they are, letting letting it go, not grasping. <clears throat> so then the insight is to practice this. Just noticing attachment and and making attachment fully conscious is a way of letting go of it. We can't just let go because we, we've got the idea that we should let go of everything. And, and then we attach to the idea of letting go and that usually ends up you know uh, clinging to to uh, ideas of renunciation, of getting rid of everything, throwing everything out the window to carry it to an extreme become a kind of homeless wanderer by letting go of everything, let go of all your clothes, you go start naked, <laughs> let go of any security and means you you get rid of everything, which is very idealistic isn't it It's taking letting go and grasping the idea of it now letting go is 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 uh is to be you know is is an insight. It's not an ideal. And how do how can you really let go of anything? Is and the the only way I found this the skillful the way of letting go is through our consciousness, through allowing everything to be conscious that arises, that all the thoughts, the memories, things that. Feelings that arise that impinge on us to allow them to be conscious, and then they go. Their consciousness is is a is a vehicle for these things to manifest. These karmic conditions they they arise and they cease, and you don't have to kind of force them out, resist and get rid of, them, but just allow this natural process to take place because the relationship then to conditions is is no longer judging it about getting rid of and and, uh, trying to destroy, annihilate anything but understanding the causes of suffering. in the insight, letting go of the causes means desire itself. (coughs) is a natural energy that we experience. This is a desire realm that we're living in, the sense realm. The bodies we have, they're desire forms, isn't they? They're they're procreating the species. They have senses where we, you know, they see what is beautiful and we desire. We desire to. We see something we desire to have it, or see something we don't like, we desire to get rid of it. So desire is is not the problem. Dhanha is not the real problem. It's the ignorance. So in reflecting, we're actually recognizing. Acknowledging desire, not, not judging it. Because once we judge it, we've got to get rid of all our desires. I have to get rid of all my desires is still a attachment to the idea of desires is something that I have a lot of and I've got to get rid of it in order to become enlightened. So the, it's a delusion, isn't it? That's a creation out of ignorance. So awakening then is recognizing desire. It's energy. It moves. It arises. Ceases. And the awareness then allows this desire to be seen, consciously recognized. There are three kinds of desire. Conveniently they they describe the Dharma Danha Bawadanha The danha, sensual desire, what we perceive through senses and desire arises through uh, through seeing the you know, the attractiveness or beauty or pleasure through sense through the senses. Then there's uh desire for becoming. And that's oftentimes what we're operating on in meditation. Bhavadana is a is oftentimes what we're doing when we're when we think we're meditating. We're trying to become something. Or we desire to get rid of things. We can also be sitting here trying to get rid of bad thoughts and and uh Negative emotions, the so desire, the desire to become, its ambition, or the, the desire to to achieve and attain, and desire to annihilate and get rid of and destroy. So these you can actually witness, observe from this through consciousness. So we're not annihilating or or getting rid of consci- consciousness. Is the is is uh, the means that we're using, allowing consciousness, informing our conscious experience here and now with wisdom, to be free from ignorance, avidya. So in my own practice, I became, very, I became really interested in desire. Where, you know, as a person, my 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 uh, cultural conditioning, my Christian background, is uh, you know, evil desires you've got to get rid of. They're born by the devil, and you've got to get rid of them. And uh, you've got to cultivate the good desires and get rid of the bad. That's how my personality is conditioned in that way. So just operating on a personal level doesn't work. Uh, you know, it is not, it's not misleading. So in the uh, teaching of the four noble truths, notice it letting go of desire. It's not destroying it. And to let go of something, you have to know what it is. You can't let go of this, uh, as an idea that you should let go. You're going to always <coughs> fail and feel despair and hate yourself even more, maybe. <laughs> so, so it's a uh, Awakening, observing, knowing. Then uh, you can feel it in the desire, wishing for, wanting, wanting to get rid of. And what is it that knows this? And no desire is, the, is, desi- is uh, like to desire nirvana. We might desire the, you know, the idea of enlightenment. But then the awareness, the awakened state, takes us out of the desire realm. We begin to see desire, even the desire for enlightenment or Nibbana. Not as something to annihilate, but something to let go of. No longer operating from uh, ideas about Nibbana enlightenment and about yourself as being someone who is ignorant and who has to become somebody who is enlightened. You're, You're actually, through awareness, returning or realizing a natural state of being Mm. Ajahn Chak referred to it as our real home this is where we really belong the natural state of being that isn't conditioned and that is recognize and realize through by awakened attention awareness uh, through consciousness found, in when you're really aware say at this moment, just in a state of attention, awakened attention, then <clears throat> you can begin to notice the what I call sound of silence, or a kind of background vibration, high-pitched, kind of electric vibration. it seems like something some people think it's tinnitus it's a a disease I've heard meditators fighting against it in the Burmese tradition they say sound, sound (laughs) try to get rid of it (laughs) but uh, it's, it's not something to get rid of or it's not really a sound, is it it's uh it just seems that way, so this sense of listening is uh, this broad spectrum of listening, not at anything in particular so it's a it's in the background, and once you begin to recognize it, it' of course, it's a stream, it's a flow, isn't it it's a it's a stream of it's a vibratory stream, and it's and it's always present. It's always here now, and and it's uh, but we don't notice it. We tend to. Even if we notice it, we dismiss it. We don't know what it is. It's also very strong uh, when you're in places like it, where water is falling or stream, or you hear the sound of flowing water or falling rain, a kind of continuous natural sound, the sound of the waves at the ocean if you really notice, if you listen to the sound of waves or rain falling or or, or a waterfall behind all the, the sounds that, that the water is making is this nada sound or sound of silence now this is, this point here is the, your mind is actually yeah, that's the kind of point you can't get beyond. You can distract yourself from it by absorbing into something like like uh, focusing on an object and and concentrating on an object where that sound of silence is no longer remembered. But if you recognize it, this is like the what the uh, the center point, the eye of the storm the still point of the turning world it's it's that uh, that image it's like a point a still point that includes rather than an exclusion of everything uh, it includes everything it has no boundary even listening to music you hear it in the background It it isn't a sound that destroys but it gives perspective it's like space consciousness space infinity no boundary and when you know how to use that how to develop that is Notice also when you're in that space or in that with the sound of silence it's stops thinking. Your mind's very empty. Just like space, contemplating space your mind is spacious. The sound of silence it's silent. You have this sense of even though it's it seems like a sound, it's a it's a kind of oxymoron, the sound of silence. Stillness. It's a still uh, like a still point. And you don't create it, it's not a creation, not an imagination. It's self sustaining. So it's not up to me to try to to make it happen, but to just recognize it—is it, isn't it? Just, just by listening, by being fully open in kind a of relaxed attention? So from this point of silence and stillness, you you have perspective on, you begin to, you can really clarify what self is. You know, like uh, in the ten fetters, the first three fetters that block stream entry or sotapanna, stakyaditi, self personality view or the ego the created self the first fetter from the still point from the stillness you begin to see how you create yourself. The still point there's no self. There's no person. If you just rest in the stillness in that stream, there's no there's no person. There's consciousness. Are you anybody yet? To be your personality, you have to start thinking, I'm Ajahn Tomato. And then I, <laughs> I don't need to think, I'm Ajahn Tomato. Maybe that's appropriate, you know, in when, uh, when somebody, when we're introducing ourselves. And you know, I say, I'm Ajahn Tomato, but most of the time I don't really go around thinking that. But I assume I'm Ajahn Sumedho, you know, all the time, and you assume I'm Ajahn Sumedho all the time, don't no, you? You think, you think, you know, where is Ajahn Sumedho? Well, he's in his room when I'm asleep. You know, I'm still Ajahn Sumedho. But when you're really aware, you know, these it, it changes from assuming you're the same person all the time. Because you're not in reality, you're not at all. your personality changes and adjusts its conditions, and it's quite obvious you know how your personality will adapt to to the conditions you're in, the people you're with the the duties you're performing you you adjust your personality will adjust itself to that. So, Sakya then then can be seen very obviously as a, and, and we can no longer believe in, in our personalities as ourselves. There's pure awareness, pure subjectivity through this sound of silence. It's conscious, empty, anatta, non self, there's no self is like this. So this is encouraging you to inform yourself in this way, to really notice. You know, this so that you you're consciously noting and recognizing anatta as reality not just some kind of Buddhist idea that you're not quite sure what it is about or attached to a definition of anatta or the idea of anatta this is anatta, this simple still point of awareness Now, sustaining, because it's self-sustaining, our attention to it varies. We aren't used to it, then we we tend to ignore it, or we tend to identify it with maybe very perfect conditions. Like everybody's quiet, noble silence, and you're kind of calmed down a bit, settling in. And so therefore you identify the, this with the experience that you're having now, which is which is an extreme experience. Noble science is not usually our way of living, is it? Or the meditation retreat at Spirit Rock, through special conditions. But use this retreat for familiarizing yourself, learning to recognize this, and then when we don't leave the retreat. You begin to really notice it everywhere <clears throat> in the city, in the noise of traffic, in the committee meetings, in when you're alone, when you're with others. Because it's, it's it's here and now. It's now. It's always present. It's just our attention to it. We forget it, and we get caught into the responsibilities, duties, problems of the world which are endless. The world's problems are endless. You may have observed this yourself by now. Lungpa Cha used to say, This is where the world ends. The end of the world is this. It's not like what President Bush is looking forward to. <laughs> not Armageddon. It's simple, like mean, this is the end of the world. So you notice that the end of the world is peaceful. Not being anybody, no self, is peaceful. It's a relief, isn't it? To to support yourself always as a person is 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 uh, exhausting. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really uh, you know you have to defend yourself and prove yourself and 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 be self conscious and frightened and worried and. And endlessly self-concerned is is real torture. Being a person is not is not a is a, is is really a lot of suffering, and it goes on and on. But not non-person, anatta, is very simple, very pure, very natural. I just not recognized, not noticed, So if, if, if you if you don't notice this, um, friends, don't worry about it. Don't make it into a problem. <laughs> I just encourage you to to uh, you know to, to, this is where how to to notice it is to relax the tension, opening. When you start conceiving it, the danger is always talking about it is that you start looking for something. I know people on retreats about sound of science they spend the whole retreat trying to find it. <laughs> because they, you can see that there's some something, you know, and you're looking for something special. And and then then they'll come up and say, Is it that am I right, is it that kind of buzzing thing? <laughs> I think they're looking for some kind of a blind angelic kind of <laughs> angelic chorus, maybe hallelujah chorus <laughs> 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 oh it, it, it it's, it's monotone isn't it it's 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 a stream. it's like a steam conscious stream sustaining itself, it's not created. And then emotionally we can react to this boring, you know. <coughs> it's not interesting. Because where you listen to music and and it it can excite, can't you? It can stimulate, excite, and make you feel excited and exhilarated or sad. Give you all kinds of emotional uh, ups and downs, but this is <clears throat> so emotionally we can We're not prepared for this. Emotionally, we. Our son of the, you know, one of the, my oldest uh, disciples in England. She doesn't like it at all. I just can't bear it. <laughs> anyway She wants to she probably a lot of meta. But mm-hmm. uh I mean that's because it 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 doesn't seem like anything worthwhile or in terms of extremity. So like yesterday's ref- reflection on ordinariness. It's not a. It's not a. It's subtle in its way because you know because we tend to overlook it, just like space. Consciousness. We're not. We're not aware. And recognize consciousness unless we put something into it, like a form, and then we're conscious through attachment to things. <coughs> But conscious without attachment, consciousness without attachment, this steam, this sound of silence, and then then the rest of it falls into place like emptiness, sunyata, anatta, nibbana, non-attachment, desirousness, Viraga. So from this perspective, then we can uh, let go of the world that we we bind ourselves to and, and all the problems that we create with that. I encourage you to, like, like, Ditti, this word, first letter, Siddhanta Bhaiyamasa, the second one, is really cultural conditioning, attachment to convention. It's your whole cultural programming, the assumptions, attitudes that we've acquired through social conditioning, through cultural conditioning. Assumptions we make about purity and heaven, hell, and even Buddhism and the at the way we're attached, we can be attached to ideas and opinions around Buddhism, practice, Theravada, Mahayana, all of that These way we these conventions we we hold to and cling to, or assumptions we have as. As Americans. As you, know, you notice, living in Thailand, for example, and you're adjusting yourself to a, to a completely different culture. Just the American conditioning becomes very apparent. You know, a lot of it isn't all that conscious. <coughs> uh, because it, you acquire it when you're an innocent child, most of it, you're pretty well, you know, culturally conditioned in your early years. So you have assumptions. and You know, Americans basically you know, I found a kind of arrogant attitude that I never thought myself as arrogant, was the kind of, one of my arrogant assumptions. (laughs) 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 Now living in a in a in a in a different culture, you know, sometimes brings up and you kind of makes you see what being American is <laughs> as, a, as a cultural conditioning process. So it's not American, it's emptiness is not American, not even Buddhist. So in terms of the first two fetters, Sakititi Sila Bhatabharamasa, which is the third one, is is the doubt, skeptical doubt, and this is called through thinking. Because language is another condition, you know, thinking is conditioned. Languages are not created out of wisdom, out of enlightened masters. So, thinking process, when you think, try to figure it out, you end up skeptical and doubtful. So notice that these first three feathers are human-made conditions. They're not natural conditions. They're artificial, like the self, the cultural conditioning, the language. These are human creations. Consciousness, we don't create that. But so we create these conditions, and then experience consciousness through these through our own creation. Now, this is these are the three fetters that that uh, we need to see through to realise the path. They're called the sotapanna or stream entry have insight into the path. And so with this way this way of reflecting, you begin to get clear perspective on the path and, and and what is not the path as you as you peel away the illusions you you've created around yourself as a person, your cultural assumptions, conventional attitudes, and the thinking process itself. So you're getting outside thinking, cultural conditioning, and the ego, the personality. And to, to do that, then this is this is uh, learning to reflect on this. Put it, put the these conditions as objects. Be the awareness. Be in the The stillness itself, where the conditions arise and cease, your personality will come and go, and your assumptions, cultural attachments, the thinking process itself. When all these things aren't operative, there's stillness, which is bliss. This is what should be done. higher well, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness. One should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to the pure that your hearted one, having fled to a vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again. the Lord, the very enlightened and blessed one. You've got keep on your Opportunity for intensive practice is rare. I find that samatha is what speaks to my need to focus and dig in. I touch levels under my daily story, and this feels like right view. Please speak about samatha. So that. Samatha Vipassana is Samatha is of course a kind of mental exercise uh, concentrating the mind and and, uh, on an object which tends to uh, refine conscious experience and tranquility and then uh, the personal is investigation is in the four foundations of mindfulness, for noble truths. So samatha is a is like yoga or tai chi, that kind of thing. It's a uh, good practice, healthy to do. <coughs> but uh, it also people tend to to come from you know wanting peace and tranquility as their main object and and so uh, this is something to really look out for how how we we become very controlling and very angry if things interrupt our tranquility (coughs) So uh, it's uh, you know like the <coughs> it's wanting happiness and peace and becoming uh, and holding on to that as long as we can and then resenting when it uh, when it doesn't happen or when somebody or something uh, disrupts it. So we need wisdom to develop wisdom also. So I don't those various these of uh, people with monks and so forth with views about samatha vipassana but I see them more or less like they work together. You know, you you're not you know, the one helps the other. So oftentimes come the samathas like the candle in the flame is vipassana, wisdom. The candle. If you know, if you have spend your time just making a candle without lighting it, doesn't. It we'll never see properly. <laughs> 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 uh, and if the candle's too big, it doesn't light very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's uh, finding the how to make a Candle, you know, well enough to to use uh, for seeing, for wisdom. So, like in uh, what I am emphasizing on this retreat is not samatha and that so much as the right view, uh, an attitude, which um, helps both because. Samatha, just coming from you know personal preference for peace and tranquility, tends to increase a, uh, a selfish interest in in you know controlling everything and and uh, getting nice states of mind. Where if samatha is used with the right attitude, then it it's also about relinquishing because you're you know, to develop scimitar, you're, you're actually relinquishing—not, you know, not to attain, to to achieve something, but just seeing the the um, the the factors of, of coarseness that get in the way, and re- relinquishing, abandoning those factors till there's equanimity. So the, the attitude is one of relinquishing rather than a personal attainment. So when the person that wrote this note, note your own reasons, or if your own personal desire to attain or achieve something, or, or what, you know, what is, your, what is this, this interest in Samatha, how, do, how are you holding it? Is it increasing the, of your opinions, your views, your sense of the self? and isolating you or is it uh, held in a way that it, it is a, uh, you're feeling a sense of relinquishing and the, the, the sense of self is not being uh, reinforced